Well, I hope anybody listening will just hear the huge concerns that this amendment language is broad. It is vague. And unfortunately, it is crafted in such a manner that I don't think any Ohioan should support. This is Caring for Both, a curbside consult series by the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, where experts offer insights on what it means to provide evidence-based, life-affirming health care to both pregnant women and their preborn children. We upload new episodes every Thursday. I'm your host for today, Miriam Diallo. This is part two of a two-part conversation with board-certified OBGYN Dr. Vivina Napier about issue one, the proposed constitutional amendment that's coming up for a vote in the state of Ohio. If you haven't listened to part one of this conversation yet, I recommend you do so for some context on what issue one is, including the full text of the proposed amendment as it will appear on the ballot. In part two of this conversation, we further flesh out issue one's potential impacts on various groups of people, as well as delve into how medical professionals can help promote a life-affirming culture in Ohio during this time. Let's jump into it. One group of people that I, I wanted to dive into a little bit that issue one might impact is parents. What about, for example, the parents of uh, a, a teen who gets pregnant unexpectedly and is considering abortion? How might issue one impact them? So, yes, again, the concerning piece of this amendment is just that very broad, vague nature of the language. So, you know, the questions are arising in everyone's head, you know, will the parental notification and consent be considered a burden to the woman seeking the abortion, the minor seeking the abortion? I think it's, you know, I think they had every opportunity to specify a woman or over 18, but they say individual. And I think that may be remove the way that they're planning to remove the parental involvement and consent and support um, for a teenager undergoing a very difficult decision in her life, a very big decision in her life. And I think as a mother... I think, you know, I want to be the one that would walk my daughter through the implications of her decision and to be able to provide her support in maybe a way she doesn't feel from, say, the father of the baby, et cetera. Um, you know, and I think the other, you kind of mentioned, you know, how is this going to affect pregnant teens? And, and I think the... The other part of the amendment says that you can't burden any individual assisting the woman. Uh, the or You can't burden any individual that is assisting the individual seeking abortion care. Um, and I think, you know, maybe I'm a little jaded from practicing in this area where there's just a high rate of human trafficking and um child abuse, et cetera. Um, but that would essentially just alleviate any 
concern or risk of burden to, say, a trafficker that brings a teen in for an abortion or even a woman that is, you know, um, w- underneath him for an abortion. And and I think, I, I know it sounds like I'm trying to, I'm fear-mongering or something, but, but there have been undercover investigations where traffickers have approached clinics, abortion clinics, said, hey, I have I have these women. I'm going to need like open access without questions to like allowing them to get STD tests, you know, trying to couch it with other things, but STD testing and all this stuff and abortion. And abortion clinics have been very open to want to being willing to providing that. So I think, you know, we're we're kind of allowing people who should be penalized. It sounds like this amendment, the wording in this amendment concerns me that people who should be penalized, rapists, traffickers, maybe maybe coaches, you know, the the list goes on and on. But where they would they would just be able to live with no fear that they are assisting a a teenager in obtaining an abortion. That's all really important to clarify. Yeah, people might not immediately have uh, an idea of um, all the specific situations and all the specific regulations that might be at risk just because of the broad and and vague language. So um, it's definitely good to clarify how uh, this might impact parents, but also how this might impact victims of human trafficking and other more coercive situations. Uh, Going back a little bit to that pregnant teen kind of scenario, um, as someone who sometimes works with young patients, uh, how do you feel issue one might impact some of your patients in the pediatric population, so like pregnant teens, etc.? We talked about how it might impact their parents uh, with parental notification, uh, but also what about them? I think that teenagers are an especially vulnerable population and they need all the education and loving support um, that they can get when they find themselves in a situation that they didn't expect to find themselves in. And we can talk about this a little bit later, um, just all the myriad of ways that Um, the life-affirming community, all the ways that they're trying to reach out to these, ensure that they feel like they have all the resources that they need at their disposal um, to say yes to life. Um, I know it's a, it's, it would be such a difficult situation to find yourself in, but I think that, again, when I've talked with women who I'll be talking with women as I'm gathering their history and they'll point back to something that happened when they were 16 and they, you know, didn't want to let anyone know. And they look back and they said, you know what, if I, I think if I would have probably just told one person, you know, my fear was that I was going to experience from that person a lot of anger and judgment and maybe they would have had that but I didn't even give them a chance to show me love and support in my decision making and to maybe talk with me and help me rationalize all the implications that my decision was going to have and all the resources that might be at my disposal Um, so uh, teens are you know 
there's a reason that we don't let teenagers drive before 16. There's a reason that we don't let young people drink, you know, tons of things that we don't allow them to make their own decisions about because um, they're big and they are life-changing, not only for them, but because it also puts another individual's life at risk potentially. And so I think that making it where a teenager really has doesn't need to get anybody else involved in the decision except for maybe even the father of the baby. Sometimes even he's not involved. You know, I think it's going to leave a lot of teenagers wondering later on maybe, you know, what they what they could have, should have, would have done. And, you know, I don't think that I, I don't think that teenagers can um, can understand um, the level of consent that is necessary um, when they're making decisions about abortion. Absolutely. Those are some really good points because people who uh, might be sympathetic towards efforts to remove parental notification, you know, they, they might be thinking about respecting the autonomy of of, of teenagers making decisions for themselves and that's you know that's something to consider but also as you mentioned uh, there's a reason why we put these children in the care of uh, adults and, and parents that can help them and support them to remove things like parental notification would be to preemptively cut out any potential sources of yes judgment but also support um, which is what these vulnerable populations might need most at a time like an unplanned pregnancy so thank you so much dr napier for all of those insights looking forward a little bit to you know our, our listeners who might be interested in supporting you and your efforts uh, where can people go to learn more about Issue 1 and what are some things they could do to support uh, the state of Ohio, whether they live there or not, as we look towards Election Day on November 7th? Yeah. Well, I hope anybody listening will just hear the huge concerns that this amendment language is broad. It is vague. And unfortunately, it is crafted in such a manner that I don't think any Ohioan should support we need to send a message that says, I'm sorry, but this has left the door open with too many questions. We need clarity and we need to be able to continue having conversations. So to learn more about, say, the issue one specifically, and especially as other states are taking on these considerations, you know, of course, for our um, amendment language. You can read the full language. You know, you can go to Ohio Secretary of State for kind of that full ballot language and and then, you know, read the for and against arguments. Um, but from the pro-life perspective, APLOG has a statement. Um, and then, you know, there's other organizations that I'm partnering, partnering with as well, createdequal.org and um, Protect Women Ohio. And But then, you know, as as we are undertaking this huge effort of, you know, over, the overturning of Roe versus Wade and bringing this decision to the states, I think it's very important for the pro-life and pro-life affirming um, side to get the message out that we are there because I I don't see any time dedicated in the media um, to 
<laughs> giving women the full scope um, of the resources that are available to them. I feel like when we talk about if you hear unplanned pregnancy or things like that, it immediately shifts the discussion to abortion. So I, you know, in in my work personally and as an OBGYN, I'm always trying to partner with my community here to make sure that women know that they are supported, um, you know, because a lot of people will say, well, you're just pro-birth and not necessarily pro-life. And I want to make sure that we as a community show in our efforts that we are life-affirming um, from birth until death. And so, again, you know, I kind of mentioned that a lot of women, you know, over 70% will say that if they had had the support of one person, they may have considered um, continuing their pregnancies. So, you know, we need to be at the forefront of making sure that that the women in our communities feel supported and are supported. So I've partnered for, you know, over 20 years with different pregnancy resource centers, um, or some people might know them as crisis pregnancy centers. Um, in Ohio, it's probably really surprising for people to um, find out about this, but that there's over 100 pregnancy centers, and that pregnancy centers outnumber abortion clinics like 10 to 1, 16 to 1 in some studies. And, you know, they've, the just in Ohio, the pregnancy resource centers have provided over 30,000 pregnancy tests, over 2,000 ultrasounds, and then over 20,000 material goods to the women in our community. And um, I think the other thing that, you know, aside from, pre so prenatal care, so the medical side of things, people can go to Obria and it will connect them with clinics that provide free prenatal care and help the women establish a longer-term solution for, say, insurance, et cetera. But as physicians, we need to um, support our pregnancy centers as well. If you can, volunteer at a pregnancy center's prenatal clinic, um, if they have an associated prenatal clinic. And then also um, a lot of pregnancy resource centers are looking for physicians to read ultrasounds for them that they're providing to these women on mobile clinics free of charge. And also, a lot of the pregnancy resource centers need medical directors. It really doesn't take a lot of time um, or energy or effort. Um, it is things that we do routinely in our day. And um, and I would just encourage physicians, um, you can go through APLOG or through um, CMDA and just get connected with them and let them know that you're interested, and they will let you know what clinics are around you. Um, I volunteer remotely for some clinics, so that's even an option for people. And then, of course, in the you know the political sphere, especially in these last two weeks leading up to the election, people who are, can canvas with literature drops. Um, I've been talking with people and changing so many people's minds because they're ju they just have so many questions. They're like, I don't know which way to vote. I have so many questions. And when I stop by, they're like, you are just, just the person I wanted to talk to. And then um, Created Equal also does call banking. But get involved, if you can, in the media so that we can help change the narrative, change the narrative around the entire discussion and, you know, advocate for these women 
and make it easier for them to say yes to life. There's tons of ways that even young people, teenagers, um, people who aren't even associated with um, medicine can participate in the pro-life movement and really make a huge difference in their local communities. And whether that be volunteering at your pregnancy center. So the pregnancy resource centers, aside from um, helping connect women with um, resources such as medical care, insurance, um, they will help with diapers, wipes, all the baby clothes. And they usually have education programs that um, are incentivized by allowing women to earn baby cribs and car seats, the ex, you know, the maybe the little bit more expensive but n- necessary safety um, uh, items that are maybe a little bit more pricey and harder to access um, for these women. But then on top of that, a lot of the pregnancy resource centers offer um, marriage and relationship counseling. So making sure that the baby comes into a, a hospitable world um, and uh, and then adoption um, connections, adoption agencies. Most pregnancy resource centers are closely tied with adoption agencies. A lot of them have kind of baby boutiques. So you can go and just help sort clothes, um, just help organize toys. And they they provide all the things that babies would really need for the first you know few years of their life. And then not to discount either the work that churches are doing. So um, a lot of churches or local um, nonprofits often have maybe abortion recovery groups. Um, so women who acknowledge that they're still struggling with what happened to them um, when they underwent their abortion and local clothes closets, local food pantries. These are all ways that we can kind of help um, embrace women and and help them feel empowered as they are navigating a, you know these difficult um, difficult waters um, of maybe an unplanned pregnancy and and helping them again to say yes to life. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing these resources. And this is a great reminder that, as you said, um, obviously, you know, the issue one in Ohio is important, but this this issue is so much broader than that. And it's really about creating a life affirming culture and medical professionals will play an important role in that. And there's a lot of things you can do holistically uh, in your practice, in your what you volunteer for, etc., to ensure that pregnant women are supported no matter where they are and uh, yeah, no matter what their circumstances are. So I'll be sure to link the resources that you shared in the description of this episode so people can take a look. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on to share your insights today. It was really great chatting with you, Miriam. And a massive thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you like this episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review on whatever podcast app you're using to listen. If you have any topic requests, you can reach out to us on social media via the links in the description of this episode or via email at info at aaplog.org. If you're a medical professional interested in joining the AppLog community, we'd love to have you become a member by going to aaplog.org join. We exist to support your pro-life practice. We will see you next week.